0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years.
1: Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
2: Welcome to France Elect, a special World Review podcast series on the French election from the New Statesman. I'm Ido Vock, Europe correspondent at the New Statesman. Over the past few months, I've been joined by some of the sharpest observers of French politics, delving deep into the big issues shaping the race to lead the EU's biggest military power and its second largest economy. On Sunday, the French people voted once again for Emmanuel Macron, making him the first president in 20 years to win re-election, and the first for 50 years to win re-election with a parliamentary majority. But how convincing was his win, really, and what might be some of the challenges that he'll face as his second term gets underway? With me to discuss is Megan Gibson, executive editor of Foreign.
3: Hi, Ido. Big night last night. Again, we're back here again after two weeks since the first round. I don't want to gloss over how challenging and tough this election campaign was, but I wanted to kind of start with discussing what a huge victory this was for Macron. A few weeks ago, the polls were looking a little bit shaky, but he basically won with a landslide. What was your take on last night?
2: So Macron won with fifty eight percent, which is eight points less than last time when he won against Lubin with sixty six percent. But it's clearly a more convincing majority than a quote unquote normal second round where the winner might win with fifty one or fifty two or fifty three percent. fifty eight percent shows that the far right, is clearly improving its scores. This is the third time that the far right is through to the second round. And so it was in the teens the first time, it was 36% the second time, and now it's reached over 40%. But it shows that the far right is still very far from being normalized. And it's still very far from being a quote unquote, normal party, and just another part of the political system. There was clearly a, a lot of kind of Resentful voting for Macron, I think, especially from voters for Jean-Luc Mélenchon, the left-winger. But a plurality of them did, in the end, split for Macron, even though reluctantly. Macron's relatively convincing win shows that, in the end, the so-called Republican Front, um, this idea that voters for mainstream parties unite against the far right in the second round, It's it's weaker than it's than it's ever been, but it is still there, and the far right is still not completely normalized.
3: I wanted to kind of ask you your your thoughts on that because, yes, the far right this is you know their best showing in in a presidential election. Um, This is the third time Le Pen's won the best. You know, outcome she's had so far, but this is a much different Le Pen we've seen in 2022 than it was in 2017. I mean, in in so many ways, she had to moderate the more radical aspects of her party and her her agenda. So for me, I it kind of raises the question of whether. Not whether she's becoming more centrist, but the lengths that the far right now has to go to, to actually makes itself presentable. I think that kind of maybe muddies the waters of this idea that that France is more accepting of the far right and being more radicalized.
2: So on this, I think the improved numbers that she was seeing in the first round were a function of, first of all, Zemmour, um, who we've spoken about before, is almost mechanically making her seem more moderate by being more extreme. And so by disavowing his more extreme positions, she was able to seem more moderate. And her choosing um, on certain issues to moderate her rhetoric, the substance of her moderation was not always there. So on the European Union, she said she no longer wanted to leave the EU, but wanted to transform the EU into a... An alliance of nations. Now, look, if you want to transform the EU from what it is now into what you call an alliance of nations, that is leaving or at least dismantling the EU as it currently stands. So in the substance, um, it really was not that different, but she was able to say, I no longer want to leave the EU. And so that gave her a kind of moderation. But I think to me, the round period here is quite crucial because in the, in the campaign for the first round, there was this dynamic where she was able to contrast with Zemmour and she really didn't receive that much scrutiny on her actual policies and much of the debate was focused on areas which she had chosen to campaign on and was quite strong on, including the cost of living. But then you get to the second round campaign and you get these two weeks where the choice kind of crystallises. You know, on on Monday morning, do you want to wake up with Macron or Le Pen? If you're a Mélenchon voter, well, your guy's out and you're not going to wake up with him. So you really have to think quite hard, you know, about what what it is you want. And in addition to that, there was a lot of scrutiny of Le Pen, not in kind of opposition to, to Zimoua, but really a scrutiny of her programme on its merits and on its own terms. And that was particularly obvious in, in the debates, I think. Uh, Macron's tactics in the debate were criticised, this kind of ag- aggressivity was criticised, but it did, I think, highlight to many voters that what Lubin was proposing on on certain issues was actually not that moderate in its substance rather than its form, and also many of them will have seen it as not realistic, as not feasible. And so I think the inter-round period here is fairly crucial. Um, just this kind of crystallization of the choice. There there were a lot of hypotheticals you can go for before the first round. But once the choice really crystallizes, I think many voters made their peace with the idea of voting for Macron, however reluctantly, to keep out Lupin.
3: That's another thing I wanted to ask you about, this idea of that there was a lot of voters that were kind of holding their nose and voting for Macron. But in these 2 weeks since the first round was Macron able to kind of push his past successes is is there anything that he could you know really stand up and show to the to voters and say this is what I did like who, who were the passionate Macron supporters that really wanted him to win
2: i mean so you you shouldn't really forget that Macron won the first round and he improved on this first round score last time which like the fact of winning overall is pretty unprecedented in recent history. And he really does have uh, a constituency of voters who are not very engaged. You know, they they don't really go to rallies. Um, Every event I've been to of my course has not been very big, a few thousand people. But they are are people who are really, really convinced by what he's proposing, by his record on the economy especially. They tend to be very convinced uh, pro-Europeans. Some of the people I spoke to talked about the COVID pandemic as as showing good leadership on international affairs, all these kinds of things. And he really does. I mean, you know, we can talk about the rejection of of Macron a lot, and and that's an important part of the story. But another part of the story is that he has a constituency of voters who were very happy to vote for him in the first round and were very happy to vote for him in the second round. And it was not a kind of uh, choice by default to keep someone out, but it was a positive choice. And I think more broadly, Macron, in his in his speech yesterday, announced in his victory speech, I watched in front of the Eiffel Tower in central Paris, in front of this very grand setting, Macron said that he didn't want his next five years to represent continuity, but he instead wanted to found a new political project and to do things differently. Now, to what extent that is sincere? And, and I think that would kind of imply bringing in the left a bit more than he has, in particular because millions of people on the left will have voted for him to keep out Lubin rather than positively for him, despite some offers that he made on the environment, for example, in particular. Now, to what extent that is sincere and to what extent he's sincere about changing course, Will be interesting to 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 watch, I think. And one of one of the indicators will be who he chooses for his government, which allies he chooses for parliamentary elections, whether he tilts to the right or, or to the left will be a key indicator of that.
3: You were at this event, as you mentioned um last night. What what was the mood? Was it relief? Was it were people overjoyed? Um what what, what was it like in Paris last night? Uh,
2: so Macron events tend to be quite small um they're not these kind of massive rallies with tens of thousands of people there often there are more journalists than activists they they're on the cameras they do a very good job of showing the activists and not the journalists but i I'm pretty sure yesterday there were more or at least the journalists were competing for the for the activists in terms of numbers and so the people who turn up tend to be very 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 convinced maximum supporters. They talk about his record on the economy, on kind of entrepreneurialism, on Europe. A lot of them, they they really like him. Um, most people I spoke to were convinced. Since twenty seventeen, they had backed him uh, since the beginning. But I think most of them were confident that he was going to win. I spoke to people before the first round, and most, I mean they, they were nervous that Lubin could win, but there was no kind of real doubt that that Macron would. But a lot of them were looking ahead to the legislative elections, um, so the parliamentary elections that are going to take place in about six weeks or so, because there, there's a real question about the allies that Macron will choose and whether he'll be able to to get a majority. Now, there's no precedent for a president not getting a majority in legislative elections that are held after the first round. But in the context of an election marked... Above all, I think perhaps more than any other by the rejection of both candidates, whether the opposition to Macron can get its act together, both on the far right and the left, there is a chance that this parliamentary election could be different. And that's certainly what people like Lupin, like Mélenchon, like Zemmour were hoping For so, Zemmour called for cooperation between the nationalist parties, i.e., his um, Reconquête Party and Le Pen's National Rally. Mélenchon will be hoping to lead a kind of unity block of left wing parties from his France Unbound Party to the Communists and the Socialists. And of course, there's the question of what happens to Macron's essentially centre right and and his centre with much of the Republicans, especially, whether they, they join him. I mean, many of these factions will be saying that they um, that they failed to win because of the squabbling. You know, Mélenchon will say, I lost out on a second round because of the Communist Party's votes. And um, Lupin will say that not enough, Is more voters went for her and so on. Whereas Macron did quite a good job of unifying the centre and in, indeed the centre-right and... Um, how far these different factions are able to cooperate ahead of the legislative election might indicate uh, whether we'll see an upset from the traditional pattern of the president's party getting a majority. If you're enjoying France Elects, you might want to consider subscribing. We have a special offer for podcast listeners, 12 weeks for £12 or €12 in Europe. Just go to newstatesman.com slash podcast offer. And you can read all our international coverage at newstatesman.com international. From the New Statesman comes a new podcast, Audio Long Reads. The best of our reported features and essays read aloud.
3: Songs are like tattoos, Mitchell said on Blue. Having one written about you is immortality in fiction rolled into one.
2: Featuring writing from our authors, including Kate Mossman on Joni Mitchell's former muse and lover, Jeremy Cliff on his journey through France before this year's presidential election, and Sophie McBain on the refugee crisis.
3: Don't die, he kept shouting. He didn't answer when Marwa screamed back, who is dying?
2: Ease into the weekend with our audio long reads. Published every Saturday morning. Just search Audio Long Reads wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at Sleep Number Stores or sleepnumber.com. A lot can
1: happen in the next 3 years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend.
3: a bit of a left field question, or I guess a right field question. With this being Le Pen's third time running for president and not failing, and Zemur being, you know, still very vocal, are we going to see a kind of power struggle to be who will be, you know, the face of the far right in the future?
2: Uh, Undoubtedly, yeah. And uh, more broadly, I think we'll see a realignment um, across politics. So The socialists and the republicans, the two traditional parties of power, polled below 7% in the first round together. So on a national level, they're all but obliterated, but they retain much higher representation than that in parliament and on a local level. So they still kind of, they still matter. At least, at least for the time being, and, whether, and if they can win re-election, they still have leverage over a future government and over over politics—not on a presidential level, but um, on a national level through the assembly, and also on a, on a local level through the different levers of regional and local government. And I think there is clearly going to be some sort of realignment. People at the, at the event I was at yesterday expect much of the Republican Party, the ones who are not favourable to the far right, to join Macron and to kind of uh, become the right wing of his coalition formally, even though some of them have been, have been so informally. And on the far right, uh, clearly there will be some kind of political realignment. Marine Le Pen's supporters will say that she led the far right to its best result in history. Well, her detractors will say that even now, against the context of historic rejection of the incumbent and of her rival in the second round, she was still not able to win. And so clearly there will be a kind of power struggle between between those different factions. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there will be people on the right of the Republicans who will join the far right camp and and also on the left. This is the now the second election in a row that the left has lost out on qualifying for the second round because essentially it was just quite divided. Um, many will be asking whether they could not be more efficient if there was a kind of unified left bloc and a single left candidate and ahead of the legislative elections, which I'll be hoping to capitalise on to really push Macron to the left. There will be many voices in the Communist Party and the... And obviously France unbowed in the Socialist Party calling for unity between between the parties. And so clearly, yes, the um the political realignment that began in twenty um twenty seventeen is I think coming to a head, but there's a real question as to how how it's going to end up. We don't yet know what what the political realignment that Macron began by just smashing up the traditional parties of power, what that will end up as.
3: Do you think there would be kind of a, a, a rallying or a, a sense of momentum on the left? Because as we noted last time Melenchon came, Le Pen just squeaked by him to make into the second round. I mean, uh, uh, he he almost made it. And I think we would have been having a very different conversation in the last two weeks. We would have been having lots of very different conversations had had that happened. What are some things, I guess, that we should be looking out for to actually realize that Macron is really being true to his word, what he was saying last night, that he is going to make some, um, he's not planning a continuation project. He, He is going to make some concessions and reach out to the left. What are some kind of signs that he will be doing that?
2: So I'd say one indicator will be who he chooses for his government, whether he reaches out to figures currently of the left or historically of the left. I think his government has... As a general rule, leans to the right as a whole over over his term, and if he wants, if he is sincere about rebalancing that, uh, he will pick ministers, um, a prime minister who are more clearly leaning to the left. Um, one of the kind of big features of his first term, I think, incontrovertibly was the fact that he he pretty consistently lent. To the right throughout. And and there was a kind of fairly consistent rightward drift on economics and on many social issues. Whether he he, he changes, that will be one indicator. Another will be the parliamentary elections. So, as I've said, who he chooses for his allies. It seems that his hopes of a single bloc in support of the president may fail. And if that were the case, Will he reach out to, for example, the Green Party or the Socialist Party, or, on the contrary, will he lean mostly on the Republicans and on his existing party? That will be another another key indicator. But of course, it's 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 a kind of it's up to him. But it, it also depends on how successful his opponents are. Right, um, if the left does really well in the parliamentary elections, he'll have no choice but to be pushed left, and many left wing voters will be thinking of that. And I'll be thinking, okay, well, I didn't get the result that I wanted and I voted for Macron or didn't vote for Macron. I reluctantly voted for Macron or didn't vote for Macron at all, or indeed perhaps voted for Le Pen. And I'll be thinking of how to push the president in a direction that I that is more amenable to me. And so if, if, you know, if the left theoretically does get a good showing in the parliamentary elections, then that would be one way to push him to the left and to hold him to his uh, to his interim promises
3: so we've covered france's reaction to the election uh, paris's reaction obviously macron's win the meaning of that extends far beyond france for the eu for the west for nato Um, what kind of reaction have we seen in the last few hours from there
2: I mean, I think the reaction across the world is of almost universal uh, relief. Many people were looking to Viktor Orban's Hungary as a model for how a Lupin-led France would function and and what she'd do within the EU, um, how she would govern. But clearly, Hungary, a country of about 10 million people, you know, fairly marginal to international affairs – behaving in a more kind of isolationist way, rejecting uh, international alliances is clearly different to France, Um, a member of the UN Security Council, a nuclear power, uh, a medium-sized power which really does matter within the EU and on the international stage. So there was almost universal relief at Macron's win, you know, the European Commission Germany, several leaders of European countries, in fact, made an unprecedented intervention into French politics a few days before, including uh, Olaf Scholz, the German chancellor, urging French voters to choose Macron because of the dangers, they said, of a Lupin presidency. So clearly, um, there was a lot of relief. I think the only people who will really be disappointed will be uh, obviously Putin because Lupin's instincts and her foreign policy would clearly have tilted France towards Russia and would have made France opposed to some of the, um, for example, some of the EU sanctions and some of the measures that Europe and France were taking against Russia, particularly in response to the war in Ukraine. And possibly Viktor Orban, whose general style of politics and the the approach that he has pioneered and, and led very successfully in Hungary, have been shown a setback. I mean, Pen is pretty closely aligned to Orban. She has visited him. She's spoken of him as an inspiration. And Macron is in many ways the complete opposite. And the fact that she came relatively close to winning, but in the end um, didn't, I think, will come as, as a as a disappointment to, to Orban, who still has very few allies within the EU and certainly none from a member state as powerful as France. Thanks for following France Select over this campaign. We'll be keeping an eye on politics in France and bringing about special episodes to cover big developments. But in the meantime, thanks for listening. I'm Ido Vok and our producer has been Adrian Bradley.